Please excuse the subpar audio in this show. I am not excited about it either. But I'm really glad to have Kitty Piercy on the show. Thank you for listening. Yeah. This podcast was recorded on April 18th, 2020. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unbelievably excited to have former mayor of Eugene, Kitty Piercy, on the show today. Hello. Hi there. I want to um, give you a chance to introduce yourself, but I also want to just tell the people that you were a three-term um, representative in the Oregon State House of Representatives, um, served as House Minority Leader of the Democratic Party. Um, then in 2004, you were elected for your first term as Mayor of Eugene. You served 12 years until um, 2017. Um, what else is true about you besides all those facts and figures? Uh, let's see. I was a teacher for many years. Mm-hmm. People don't know that. Uh, I got involved in politics not because I wanted to run for office, but because I was doing volunteer work like everybody else does. And uh, I was an activist on women's rights issues. And I was asked by an, a uh, state representative if I would consider running for office. And um, I had never thought of it, and but I did consider it for almost a year. And uh, and said I would give it a whirl. So that's that, that's the beginning of my uh, career in in politics. That's awesome. Well, I uh, have a little bit of experience as an educator, also. Um, so I just love seeing people who have had that experience. And I think that if we could only get more people in Congress who are maybe a little more experienced in educating and having dialogue, and maybe less about being lawyers. Um, I always, I always thought Thomas that uh, it it's also true that you learn a lot of skills about how to how to have kids go get what they want without fighting and basic <laughs> things like that. That, that you I mean that sounds so corny, but it's it's sure. really true. You uh, hone a lot of skills to help people get what they want in a in a productive and good way. And I've used that many times and as a representative and as mayor. So. Awesome. I, yeah. I am glad to hear that. Well, the question I always start out when I chat with people for this show is, what is a controversial opinion that you hold about anything at all? Well, it seems like to me, uh, there was nothing but controversy the whole time I was in office. <laughs> sure. <laughs> in, um, in Eugene, and uh, I'll talk about the mayor's role first, it, in Eugene, there's nothing more controversial than land use issues. Right. And it brings out people who want to keep the status quo and people who want to do something different. And they're very vocal about their opinions. And those kind of things go on every time we have a major development proposal or a expansion of the UGB or any of those things that cause so much fraught uh, activity in, in our community. And you, I think you really have to be someone, and I believe I was pretty good at that is that you don't think your opinion is the only one in town that you believe is important to listen to everybody and even with people you disagree with there's elements of truth and elements of things that you should take into consideration and make part of your own i think that that's a great uh great point and uh it's certainly something that's been discussed at the state level as well with speaker kotek wanting to declare a state of emergency that would effectively allow different zones to be um, used for sheltering um, more quickly. Um, so that's another big controversial issue, of course, and I know it's one that you are um, 
have a great concern about too, housing, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of housing, affordable housing for every level of income. Uh, and of course, folks who don't have any housing at all has been a long time issue in our community. And one that, one that I spent my whole 12 years as mayor working uh, diligently on and trying to do it in a, in a productive way and trying hard to help uh, the community understand they didn't need to um, want to avert their eyes to people who are homeless, that they really wanted to understand that they're part of our community and they need our attention just like everybody else in our community. And, and, they're, and, and by the way, they're just as varied as every other group in our community, good, bad, and in all points in between because they're just human beings. And so um, I spent a long time, a lot of time trying to find ways to move us as a community towards some solutions that wouldn't send, make everybody crazy. And that's mm-hmm. how we, um, that's how we ended up tra- trying Opportunity Village and uh, the community supported shelters is they were a sort of unique and innovative ways to get our community in the door of uh, providing a different kind of shelter for folks. And so I feel really proud of um, uh, Square One for the work that they've done on Opportunity Village and Emerald Village. And I'm very proud of Community Sort of Supported Shelters, which has, you know, innovatively done these little shelters for people that I think they're up past a hundred of those around the, um, the community now. So I also think it's brought down the, some of the tension people have about homeless folks. Mm. I actually think this um, pandemic has caused people to maybe make some big advances in this. And I I will watch and see. It is my my hope out of all of this horrible stuff that people will see that it's not in our, it's not in your interest or my interest or anybody's interest for people to live out on the streets where they don't have um, access to basic health care and all of those kinds of things. So, um, I don't care if you're a selfish person or you're a very compassionate person. There's good reasons for you to want to see that everybody has their shelter needs, their housing needs met because uh, it makes a better community for all of us. Right on. Um, I certainly can appreciate that. And and I also appreciate what you said about people having varied opinions and how they all um, have weight and have importance in the, in the community. And so, um, there is sort of a, an opinion that I want to get your, um, sort of response to mm-hmm. here sometimes, which, um, is that, you know, Eugene has led the way in terms of having a whole lot of, um, nonprofits, um, per capita in terms of having a whole, um, varied, uh, level of, uh, the degree of resources for people when it comes to pri- pu- public and private, um, funded resources for sheltering. Um, but, some people would probably say something like it's uh, because it is a place where people can access so many kinds of resources, it um, can end up attracting people who aren't from Eugene, but who um, come, come into being unhoused uh, in their lives through whatever uh, of the several of the many situations that can lead to being unhoused. And they end up coming to Eugene um, and kind of creating maybe maybe a culture in some cases where um, that's seen as something where, well, well, Eugene is the place to be if you're, if you're um, living that lifestyle or experience. Um, okay. And what do you think about that? 
I have a whole lot of reactions to that. One, mm -hmm. um, no matter where you live in this country, you're an American. Mm -hmm. and, and we have responsibilities to each other. Eugene certainly can't carry the burden for the whole country, and it doesn't. It, that homelessness is widespread. Sure, especially throughout the West Coast. Yes, and I think we are, uh, uh, well, our constitution is different than a lot of, Oregon's constitution is different. We, uh, people are guaranteed by our state constitution the, the right to be here. <laughs> by, I mean, you can't just put somebody out of, out of the community if you don't want them here. You can't, the, the public sidewalks are public. That's, that's, the, that's the, in the constitution. That's right. not something our city made up or, or, or did. It's just, <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, I will say for the benefit of anybody who's listening that um, I think you have to recognize that Eugene is uh, where the county seat is. It's where Lane County's uh, government is located. And that means that's where all the services are located. So if you live in this very huge county that goes all the way from here over to the coast, big as Rhode Island, well, the services for those folks are here. So, sure. so you just have to bear that in mind. That's our civic responsibility. That it's what we were um, assigned to do when we put our government together. Sometimes it's uncomfortable what you have to deal with. Sometimes you're sort of overwhelmed with a balance of trying to be kind, but also keep a good and healthy community. It, it, these are not easy or light things to do, but they're important things to struggle with. And there's nothing wrong with struggling with things that need to be um, made better. I mean, that's sure. part of being a human being, I think, is that you, you have to think as humans we're always going to have things we have to work on. And sure. we'll always need people who are willing to work on those things and try to improve it for, the, for, the, for all of us. Right on. Well, I, I, one thing that Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti has said is that LA is a victim of its own success in that it's a very desirable destination. It's a place where a lot of people want to be. Um, it's also warm. <laughs> exactly. It's warm. I, I went to college in Minnesota. It was unfathomable to be living uh, on the street there in the winter. That's um, the way it is in a lot of the country. In fact, in Alaska, I believe it's against the law to, to go unsheltered. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that you are an alumnus of Western Michigan University, and I don't know that much about your um, background before moving to Eugene, but can you talk about what brought you to Eugene when you moved here, um, et cetera? Long, long time ago, um, we came in the, uh, about around 73, so that's a, that's a long time ago. Yeah. And the, the path here was that uh, I graduated from college with a degree in education, and I, at that time, I joined the Peace Corps. And I was a very um, shy girl, and hmm. uh, very uh, uh, lacked, lacked confidence, I think because I'd never been. Oh, I think you overcame that for sure. <laughs> and, um, and so for me to make a decision to join the Peace Corps and, and, and go to Africa in the early 60s was a pretty uh, outrageous move on the part for this, for this kid. I'd hardly been any, anywhere. And, uh, but it was wow. a, um, a wonderful opportunity 
to learn how to appreciate other cultures, to learn that I live in a world and not just in the United States, to sure. learn that other places and people matter all over this world and have a lot sure. to contribute. And, I've and you use the word cultures, which is plural, and Africa being a massively large and diverse continent. Where were you in Africa when you were doing your service? So when I was uh, in the Peace Corps, I was also teaching English. Uh, it was at the time when Haile Selassie uh, had opened up education for uh, the people of Ethiopia. So many of my students had come from being shepherds and uh, they were older. Um, they, they, this was their first chance to have any education. So it was a wonderful experience to, to get to know them and, and, and work with them. Um, I uh, also had the experience of uh, going out into the jungle and giving inoculations to people. That I did that during one of my breaks. Mm. I, I also volunteered at a, with lepers and people who had um, tuberculosis. And, um, and then uh, one of the fun stories, of course, is that on our vacation, um, we didn't make much money, but, you know, didn't take as much. Um, sure. We went to, I went to uh, uh, the west coast of Africa. There were mm. about five of us who went, and we, we hitchhiked along the coast of West Africa from Nairobi to Dahomey to uh, Ghana, Dahomey, um, uh, Ivory Coast, the, all the way up to the Ivory Coast. Cameroon? Did you go through Cameroon? No, I didn't. Okay. All right. But um, it was a wonderful experience, and everywhere we ended up, you know, uh, there'd be music and people would that welcomed you. It was before all the big uh, wars that were there, so it was it was a t and it was right after a lot of of the of Africa just come out of the colonial period. So they were sure. very hopeful, and they really thought this was going to be the birth of a democratic continent. <laughs> and right. you see how things have been mixed there like everywhere else but um yeah for me it was just an amazing um amazing amazing time in in many ways my life has been an amazing time because i'm in my lifetime was the um vietnam war movement the the women's sure. movement the civil rights movement all of these things have been part of my um growing up experience and go into making my that's fantastic. Um, well, I want to ask you, uh, because you're getting into a little bit of history, uh, mm -hmm. and because I am, you know, focused a lot on Eugene, and um, I want to know, because you have been so involved in our community, uh, are there particular, like, historical figures, or maybe sort of untold, lesser-known stories um, about this community that... Um, that stand out to you when we're talking about you. Well, I'll tell you one is not like about a historical figure and it's not about, it's not a big shiny thing, but I think it's really true. That's great. That this, that this community um, has been made from people who are in the education community. That's sort of the door of the university. And it's been made by the extraction companies. And that would be sand and gravel and forestry and all of that. And yeah. so you've you, 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 had these two important parts of our community growing up side, side by side. 
And in fact, if you think about the major buildings in um, such as the Hulks and so forth in our community, they were built from extraction dollars. Sure. And so uh, about four years before I became mayor, I was asked to join this uh, group of people who were trying to change conversation uh, in Eugene. And uh, it was uh, some from the business community and some from the environmental community was really trying to, I think, prep us for a, a broader discussion about the urban growth boundary. But it was a really good discussion because what I learned from that is some of these folks who uh, families had been in the uh, extraction businesses, which we kind of, from my sort of point of view, you, you, uh, you don't always like some of the things they do, um, that they feel like they've spent, their families have spent hundreds of years contributing and aren't, and aren't appreciated for what they have contributed to the community. And mm. then we had other people around the table who felt like, yeah, but I've been here trying to protect this place and keep it the kind of place we all love. And, and I don't think I feel like you've been appreciative of what I have to offer. And so I, I thought it was a brilliant um, understanding for me of why some of these pitched battles in our community happen. It's because we've, we even in when this uh, when Eugene started, they had big. I mean, it's always been that way. They had big fights over whether um, the uh, OSU would be the big institution or U of O, and that was a big fight. And it, all, it went all the way to the state legislature, and mm. it ended up and it ended up with U of O. And then the same thing happened with the railroad. There's a huge fight over where the railroad would be Springfield or here, and uh, and right. yes. So there's we have this history of um, rambunctious discussions about um, major issues, and I, as mayor, kind of learned how to see it that way. That these are just sometimes it can be um, harsh, but these are just active citizens really working hard to try to um, preserve what they think is in, important. They just come from different points of view. They just come from different places. They see the world through different lenses. And um, and we have to, it, it's beholden, especially to people who are in leadership positions, to really kind of grasp that and make room and make room for it, and to not bite on every nasty thing that comes your comes your way, because they will come. And you have to, you know, I one of the things that I did, I think, is a little entertaining, is um, I did not ever want to have a, a disagreement at city council meeting, end up with the police having to be called in or have somebody taken out. I just thought that's not that's not a very productive thing to. Not a very good civic thing to have happen. Was there any historical precedent for that? Did that happen in the past? It happened all over. In fact, when I first came in as mayor, the council before me, they get so mad at each other, they throw sandwiches at each other. I mean, really? Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, I thought about it hard and I learned some, I, maybe I learned this part as a parent, but mostly as a teacher. Um, I suggested to the council, I think they thought I was nuts at first, um, that if somebody wouldn't follow the rules, you know, when somebody gets disruptive, you ask them to stop. And if they won't, then 
you, what, what options do you have? I suppose you could argue with them. I suppose you could have somebody come in and take them out. But I suggested that instead of them being taken out, that we would leave. Yeah. Because that they, they're there for an audience. So the thing mm -hmm. that cool it down is, is for us to leave and come back when things settle down. So I only had to use that twice in 12 Interesting. In 12 years. Once with some friend and once with a person who was a little loose in the um, behavioral department. But um, anyway. Well, I wouldn't normally compare your leadership to that of the current president, but I did see in like a, in a recent press conference, um, he threatened the same thing. Of course, he is very aggressive and doesn't seem to like uh, journalists bringing up facts and figures about uh, the, right. you know, the death count, but he said he basically said that he said, um, you know, well, if you if you won't stop talking, I'll just leave, and you'll have to deal with all these people. Well, uh, I hate to, as you know, I don't particularly enjoy being. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least what I can say for you is you did it well before him, so you know you probably. Well, what I would say is I was trying to avoid conflict. I was trying right. to make uh, room for for things to settle down in a in a peaceful way it wasn't in in our president's case lots of mm. times it's seen as punishment i didn't see it as punishment i saw it as the most peaceful way i could think of, of us being able to go, go about our business and to not embarrass anybody or denigrate anybody well i appreciate that there's a lot of great stuff in what you said i mean when i think about the extraction dollars funding um facilities that are now beloved. I mean, uh, yeah. Wow Hall, wood, uh, Woodworkers of the World, I believe. Um, you know, and now, you know, that's like the coolest venue to see. Um, you know, I've seen Frank Black from the Pixies there. I've seen, um, I think Weird Al Yankovic made it come through there before he's yeah. playing it. Several times, several times. Yeah, so tons of great artists there. Um, and I want to ask you because I do try to, this is like an informal podcast kind of thing. And I like to ask musicians what their feelings are about politics. Sometimes they're taken aback. But I also like to ask people who are in political influence um, about music. And so this has been a challenging time for us to be isolated in our, in our homes if we have them. And um, Have you been listening to any music or appreciating any music recently that, um, has been helping you through this challenge. I probably can't give you names. I like all- Bummer. I'm, I'm, I know, I'm a very eclectic person though, and so I really like all, I like a lot of different kinds. I like show tunes, I like classic, I like some jazz, I like blues, I like, uh, I, maybe I don't, I haven't accumulated quite a, a taste for hip hop, but that may be generational. Bummer. Yeah, sure. No, it, I, it totally is. I mean, I put on um, a hip hop beat and I asked my dad to rap to it and he's like a lifelong musician, a rock musician. Mm -hmm. and he stares at me blankly. He's, he's like, this is not even in my vocabulary. Right. But, um, you know, for example. I, I like to, to um, have music going most of the time because it just kind of is, um, um, it either energizes or soothes or whatever you, um, you need and sometimes it just can fill you with joy when you need to be filled with joy too and can i push you to just name one artist one artist that you've been enjoying whether it's recently or just that you've loved in your in your life you know this is so old-fashioned but i will just That's say okay. uh james taylor i love james taylor awesome 
I like folk. I mean, I, I grew up on I grew up on folk, so I like folk. Did you I catch like Neil all, Young like when he came through the, uh, Matt Knight Arena uh, last year? Neil no, I. Okay. You know, I, oh, I did see James Taylor, and that's the only time I've gone to something at uh, other than a you know something that I had to show up for um, <laughs> at Matthew Knight Arena. It um, it was lovely, but it was so huge. It feels so. Yeah. Um, it's so. It feels so distant. It does. It does. And when they first built it, of course, it's Eugene and they built for growth. Um, but, you know, the basketball and volleyball teams were having a tremendous challenge filling that place up. And it's not that fun to play in front of an arena that's 15 percent, 20 percent full. Well, those basketball <laughs> girls really did it, didn't they? Didn't I know. It was just amazing. If you look year by year, like 2,000 people average attendance, 4,000, 7,000, and then you get like 20,000. It's just it's it's amazing. Um, did you ever catch any of those? No. Games? Um, I uh, I follow them. I didn't. Sure. I I don't. I didn't go, but I have all. Everybody I know does, and yeah. um, and I think I'm just. I have to say, uh, having been there when, um, you know, it got put in place that women would be treated at equally to men in the sports arena, which did not really happen. But this is we're in a period now where they're just they're just blowing through it. They are more fun to watch than than just about any other team or any other sport. So that's a, that's a, that's a big um, step forward for, for women. And, um, and I really appreciate, I really appreciate it. And more than that, I appreciate um, the style. Yes. Well, the I think there's, there's a greater emphasis on teamwork. Um, yeah. you, have, you have your big stars, you know, UNESCO, Sabali, Hebert, but there, there is a real, um, fundamentals of the game and um, working together, which is. Which yes. And it, it feels like it matters to them that they like each other and that they help each other uh, shine, which is a very good characteristic to have, I think. So it's been, a, it's been a, I'm, I'm sorry they got shortened in terms of the making it to the end, but I, I think they've made it as far as you can go in terms of this sport right now so champions in our hearts for sure that's right that's right um well you certainly shined in three successful terms as mayor uh and i know that you are still occasionally involved well quite involved uh for example in leading city club of eugene forums sometimes um you've been a surrogate for jamie mcleod skinner who's running for secretary of state um has it been a challenge being going from being, um, you know, the figurehead of the city to being um, a regular uh, private citizen like anybody else? What's the transition been like for you? Well, first of all, I, I want to say I always thought of myself as a regular citizen. <laughs> anyway, even yeah, when I, I used to see you at Saturday Market. You know, you right. I always I always took myself as as being one of the of the people, and so. Um, and that worked for me really well. It made me happy to, to approach the job that way. Um, about two years before I uh, stepped down, I just started to prepare myself mentally. You know, this is going to yeah. happen. You want what comes on the other side of this to work really well. What do you need to put in place for yourself? How do you adjust to it? How do you go from um, a, a job that asks 60 hours a, a week from you to to not being asked to do anything. I mean, it's really, uh, and I also made a big commitment 
uh, in my, not that, not that I was asked to, but I made a big commitment to uh, Lucy that um, I would stay out of her face for um, a couple of years, that I would let her get her own legs as mayor. And I don't think, I don't think it's easy to get your own legs as mayor if the former mayor is hanging around very much. So I really mm. tried hard to stay um, out. Of, I was always available if she wanted to ask me something or somebody wanted to talk, but I just sure. stayed because I just wanted to be fair. I wanted to be fair. And then um, of course, with the political season, every candidate's been talking to me as you know, and, um, and, uh, I'm uh, on the board of Square One, and I'm on the board of the City Club. So I'm, I, I keep my fingers in a lot of stuff, but I don't have. To, I, I'm now in a phase where I do what I want to do, as opposed yeah. to what I have to do, and so that's yeah. uh, that's very. But I'm very appreciative and honored for the 12 years I was mayor. Had a fantastic array of experiences. Um, worked on things that I cared so deeply about, you know, from climate change to um, how we ha handle our public discussions to um, how we try to do better with our homeless and ho housing situation. None of these things are totally resolved because they're ongoing. Sure. But I really tried to make a sizable contribution to in a positive way um yeah i was mayor that's uh and i felt that's what i was supposed that's what i was what what i was there for so and i and it gave me a lot of i mean i went to china for the second climate summit and i would never have had the chance to do that if i hadn't wow. worked on that issue and been mayor and i well it's one of 20 mayors in the united states who went and there were there were about 40 um Chinese mayors and um, and Kerry uh, uh, was there and it was uh, it was it was a, and he told us that this Secretary was, of State John Kerry yeah yeah and he told us that um, we needed to really do a good job while we were there because we, that that was the one area where China and the United States were getting along and working mm. together as partners was in the climate issues so we needed to really step up our um, step up our game so that was a really very interesting experience and uh, it was interesting in many ways the Chinese couldn't believe we had public process they just thought that was yeah they said that that must just be terrible how do you get anything done and um, and I observed that when they gave their presentations on what they were doing for climate uh, orders would come from on high everybody mm -hmm. will plant hundreds and thousands and millions of trees okay that's what happens. And when you see the reports from all the mayors, they're all very similar because they've all been told to yeah. do the same thing. Sure. And they've, got, they've all got the same uh, trajectory. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad to that because they don't have. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my uh, half my family is Japanese. And so I understand, you know, the East Asian culture of, um, it's not even seen as like a, we have this, like when we say the word authoritarian here, it comes with a, a especially in Eugene, it comes with a real negative stigma. Right. Um, but there, there, I mean, they recognize it as, as just 
Um, this is an efficient way to get things done. People are in authority because of credibility um, mm-hmm. in general. And um, but it is it is um, you know challenging. Like like we have a much more due process when it comes to law enforcement. Right. To you know basically in Japan, at least when my dad was living there in the seventies, he was telling me that you know if a police officer says you did something, you did it. There's not yeah exactly. <laughs> well, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You mentioned people um, being in your ear of, during this electoral season, uh, and I know that you have, uh, you know, made uh, endorsements in a number of races. Um, you've endorsed Lucy for her reelection as mayor. You've endorsed uh, a few city council candidates. I think that you actually endorsed um, Eliza Kaczynski and Tim Morris in Ward okay. One. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about what what do you look for? Um, when you, I mean, as somebody with such insider knowledge of what the city council does and what the mayor does, what do you look for typically um, in uh, these candidates when, when they want that endorsement? I appreciate that question. Uh, before uh, I stopped being mayor, I, I don't think I ever co-endorsed anybody. I think I was on, on the on the track that you should should just endorse one person. But the New York as, Times did it, Warren and Klobuchar, which surprised me too. So yeah, I was more in that school of thought. As well. But I, I sort of got to a place where I thought, well, that's true. But on the other hand, you can just be saying you think either one of these people would be capable of being a decent um, counselor or, or whatever the position is. And you don't um, think want, you don't pick one over the uh, of the other. Um, I will say that um, I feel I want to be respectful of my colleagues, um, but I want to say the I feel like the council needs to be energized. I feel like, like the um, I feel like the council uh, needs to understand that they're leaders. They're not just a group of people who meet and somebody brings a decision that has to be made and they made it. I mean, they have the opportunity to to lead on not just the mayor but each and every one of them have the opportunity to lead on many things if they choose to do it it takes time it takes energy it takes a lot but i mean that i if you're going to be from all these different wards in the city it seems like to me that then you're this is your opportunity to, to pick some things that you think really need some attention and work on them and I, and I also think sometimes you just have to bite the bullet, you know. You, you know there's going to be decisions that are going to be made that are not going to be popular with maybe even half your community. You have to choose one to make those decisions. Sometimes it feels like they, it gets put off and put off as opposed to making those decisions. But um, I, I think, for example, uh, around the homeless issue, if the council really made a decision that they were going to land a, a shelter, a small, small shelter um, in each ward in the, in the city and they would take the heat for it, I think they could, um, they could do it. So, I mean, that's just one example. And you're right. It, you, you may not get elected again, but you will have done what you thought was, um, <laughs> the right thing to do and you do it carefully. I mean, I think with the uh, way that we went about doing um, Opportunity Village was uh, and the 
communities for the shelters was uh, just just right because um, we wanted people to have a good experience with this, and so mm. uh, we probably sort of creamed the crop in terms of um, who those first inhabitants were. They certainly were in need of shelter, but they they were probably not the the toughest ones. They were probably the ones who were most able to make that transition to living with others and and do it successfully and and it allowed the folks who were running those places to hone their skills and you know they as i call opportunity village it's sort of like a um uh, what do you call it um, a you know when you have a, a community that oh it's a gated community for the right so well, I think that it might not be like politically popular, as you say, to say, hey, we're going to have in all awards, we're going to have sort of share this burden. But um, the sort of alternative to that is that some neighborhoods are very affected and some right. are not really as effective. And, you know, I, I see uh, Bethel as having taken on, you know, a large, um, if you, if you want to use the word burden, I guess you could use that word. Um, and I, for example, I was, uh, until I was laid off, I was a shuttle driver and a valet and a bellhop at Graduate Eugene, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would take uh, United Pilots, but I would take, you know, business uh, leaders from all over the country who visit mm -hmm. Eugene and stay with us, and I would do their 20-minute drive to and from the airport. And, you know, I think that, you know, Highway 99 in its current form, um, I, I view it as sort of the front porch of the airport, and it doesn't always give um, the most accurate yeah of what Eugene is like. And it's not a very pretty uh, uh, avenue into the into the community. On the other exactly. hand, um, it, it does have some very successful services sure. for people in the community. And the I Home think, Center. Yep, and I think um, sponsors, um, I mean, I think they, they, they've done it in a way where they've built something very pleasant to look at that is for, um, people coming out of the prison system back into our uh, community. Not only do they, they help them do it successfully and become good citizens, but it, it, it adds to the um, positiveness of the, of the neighborhood. I think that, that that's what we should seek for. I worry about right now, this, uh, there's, there seems to be another kind of um, push to dump a lot of stuff in that same area because mm. uh, it's, the easiest, it's the easiest place. But uh, I think it's good for every, I think it's good for everybody to have to share. I appreciate that. Um, I want to ask you about uh, misconceptions about city government. You know, when I hear you talking about having gone to um, China with 20, 19 other mayors, you know, my thought is, well, you probably had some of the least, um, in terms of the city charter, you probably had some of the least power out of, out of many of those people who have, you know, whether it's a council Absolutely. Yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, we're not a strong mayor form of government. No, we are not. We are a weak mayor system. Um, yeah. So um, that's something that I've seen as sort of a misconception. And, you know, I'm not uh, personally the biggest fan of uh, Mayor Venice's government uh, governance, but um, she certainly will unfortunately get a lot of people saying things like, why is the mayor doing this and this and this and this? And, you know, it's not really necessarily that she has the power to do all of that. So uh, I heard that a lot when I was mayor, and I will I will say this. 
I think the power of a mayor in Eugene is what you make it. Yeah. So you cannot, you do not have a wand or gavel. You, yeah. you can't just say something. But if you want something to happen, you have the power to put committees together to work on it. You have sure. the power to speak to the public about it. You, you have the power to work on it in a whole number of ways. So, you know, for me, uh, one example, controversial, really controversial that happened, um, is when I came in as mayor, I had come in with the support of a lot of people who did not want the West Eugene Parkway to be built. Mm. I don't know if you were familiar with that, but it was a, like a hot issue, divided the community. I was in fourth grade, so I was more focused on the U U.S. Yeah. capitals. So it was like 20-some um, years of people fighting over that, and it, every uh, campaign would be, where are you on that parkway issue? And I and it, the votes were just neck and neck all the time, and mm. so it really wasn't a... a it felt like there was really not a direction and it felt like we were going to fight on it forever. And, um, so I, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, I, I determined that there must be a better way. So I stuck my neck out. It was like dropping an atom bomb. I mean, the people who'd been investing in that area, people who had spent years in public process on that area, I understand why they were so up. I understand why they were so upset. Now that a few years down the road from that, I think I, it was absolutely the right thing to do. But uh, but I I truly do understand why, for some people, that was sort of an unforgivable thing to do to switch direction. And so what I did is what I always do. I heard what you said. So um, I'm going to bring everybody together. And we're gonna, I'm gonna bring the people who've hated each other and argued for the last 20 years, and we're gonna sit down and figure out something that's gonna work for uh, smoothing traffic out in that area of town, and, um, and still um, not go through the wetlands. So um, I brought this group together, and uh, we got some, a um, outside, First of all, we couldn't get any government funding to do it. I just did it. And, uh, and then uh, got environmental groups and chamber and realtors to all pitch in to pay to, pay to do it. And, um, and then we hired something called the Osprey Group from Colorado to, to facilitate this big, hot discussion. And out of that, well, I should tell you that ODOT was so mad at me, Oregon Department of Transportation. Sure, yeah. That uh, a individual came and poked me in the chest and said, little lady, you may not like this, but this is where it's going to be. Well, it mm. wasn't. But um, anyway, uh, that group met. And through the conversation and the work of all of those very varied people, they um, came to look at West Eugene in a different way. Hmm. It wasn't just how to get through that awful, ugly part of town, which is the way it started out. It was how can you make that neighborhood more livable? How can you change that whole thing? And if, and if you watched over the last few years, there's more housing, more 
people living in that area. We've got, with the help of um, LTD, we've got bridges going between uh, the, the um, businesses over into the neighborhood so people can move back. I mean, we've got all the ingredients of, of this really shifting. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and sidewalks. I, I mean, yeah. sidewalks. lots of sidewalks. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, it's not perfect yet, but these things, it's, it's evolving. It's going in the direction that it needs to go for a more livable um, area. And, yeah. and uh, I, I love West Eugene. Yeah, it's. I think it's beautiful. I love the. I, I love riding my bicycle along the bike path along the. Me too. I like to walk along that path. Sure. I actually. Um. I saw you and your husband. I. I. You didn't really know each other before this, so I. I didn't really know whether to say hi. But you were eating at Lock Yaoun. I. I, I recognize you. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um. <laughs> Well, I did kind of awkwardly wave, but I was like, I'm not on terms enough with these people, with David. No, I knew you, you, right. you were, uh, you were uh, well-known a couple times to me with different places. So. Sure. Well, I'm a loud mouth. Any, anyway, I, want to thank, yeah. I wanted to tell you that uh, the Oregon Department of Transportation later came and told, and they never apologized for saying what they said, but they mm. did say to me that they thought, uh, the um, bringing that group together was brilliant, and um, and one of the and the, and we actually had a help from the state with their uh, they have a, uh, a consensus group that works on the, you know problems in communities. They came and worked with us too, and um, and and uh, they made me um, head up the rail discussion for the whole state as a result of that because. Um, they thought I could do that discussion without everybody killing each other because they watched me do this um, parkway discussion. Those wow. folks, those folks, Mary O'Brien, famous, really a famous environmentalist, and mm -hmm. uh, and then you know really strong uh, conservative folks. They became really good friends and and went out and spoke on on this on how you can work together and 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 see see a different way of, of looking at things. They they really all, all of them from both sides, shifted from that um, car discussion to community discussion, to mm. what, how do we want to live and what do we want to see hap happen that we think will be better for the people of our community. So I'm really proud of that work. And that's an example, by the way, of something that – very few people will probably hear about, but um, it is a, a perfect example of the power of mayor. Yeah. Whether it's being, whether it's changing that whole discussion, whether it's being the last person standing trying to keep uh, MX. Sure. Oh, I remember the signs. Some of those signs were pretty not nasty. So <laughs> I, I, everything that I did as mayor was, it seemed like was about that hard. And you just yeah. had to, and you just had to um, work your way through it. And you you take the the, the uh, slings and arrows, but you and uh, and but then you look on the other side of it and you see what well, okay. Look at the, look at the west. I I don't know about you. I don't know where what your view is on MX, but I if, you know I live right close to the um, line on uh, six and seven. And every day it's packed. That that bus is 
we thought less packed now because of our current circumstances, but nonetheless mm. packed and, and very, very well used to go out west, Eugene. So I feel like I've helped a lot of people have a mode of transportation that wasn't available to them before. And I, I feel good about that. So that's great. Well, I was really glad to hear that you live in in the wit, you know, uh, I was, it would have been nice to be able to do this in person. Maybe we'll do it again sometime, but, uh, after uh, things opened up a little bit, that will be, yeah, fun. exactly. Yeah. But, um, just from the, just from the, I don't know, the spiritual sort of, um, feeling about where the mayor is at, you know, South Hills versus Whitaker. I don't know. For me, it just feels nice to have my mayor, my mayor in the middle of the city. Um, you kind of answered a question, um, that I was going to ask, um, but I'll sort of articulate what it was going to be, um, which when it comes to the power of the, the mayor, um, I think that like one of the things that is um, that the bully pulpit and, and um, having a close relationship with Governor Brown, with Congressman DeFazio, with the U.S. senators. Um, and so do you think that there has been any tangible way that um, like your voice uh, on a federal or a state, uh, or, you know, you mentioned with ODOT before, um, you know, a policy initiative or a goal um, was accomplished in part because of your advocacy. So um, I was very fortunate to have served in the legislature before I did this job. Some, some sure. people think it usually goes the other way, right? You usually start at the local and go, I did it the other way around. But I think the mm -hmm. benefit of that is I knew everybody, so yeah. I didn't have to make friends with them. I I knew them before I became um, mayor. So that was helpful all the time I was mayor that I could talk to somebody or call somebody or and we knew each other. And it was helpful when we lobbied for things in Salem. It was helpful when we went up to DC to try to get federal funding for things. Yeah. So those relationships were, were are really um important relationships. I think I, I joined, um, I can tell you a couple things. I, I joined the U.S. Conference of Mayors with other mayors in the country uh, because uh, they come together to work on resolutions that get taken to Congress. So um, I had uh, uh, one where, uh, the, what, what's the uh, keystone? Yeah. The pipeline. On XL, which just uh, faced a major blow to its construction. So that was pretty cool. If you're so that Keystone, uh, I, I had a, a uh, resolution that was taken to U.S. Conference of Mayors that was supported by mayors from all over the country. And I was the first one to do that. And, um, wow. uh, and I couldn't be there because I'd been asked to speak for eWeb in New Orleans at the same time. So Gavin Newsom carried it for me. Governor of California. Yes. And, um, and then uh, I got phone calls from Alberta. They were really mad. Sure. <laughs> they were. I bet they were. <laughs> And I mean, phone calls from their, their equivalent of the O'Reilly show or whatever, you know, people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I had my, I had, uh, that and I did a, uh, another important one where I was on, um, what is that? Sorry. can't remember the 
It's a national radio show. Um, Amy Goodman, Democracy Now. Yeah, I was on that because nice. I, I did a Bring the War Dollars Home nice. resolution. Right and, uh, I uh, I went to um, Sundance because um, I was in one of the first mayors to sign up on uh, when we when the federal government wouldn't uh, work on the climate issue. I was one of the first mayors to sign up to say we would do, we would do it at home and we would meet the same um, levels of uh, standard and. Uh, and so I was invited to Sundance with Robert Redford to, um, yeah, I know that was fun. The film festival, Sundance, yeah. right? Well, I oh, didn't go to the film festival. We went, oh, okay. we went there and heard uh, Al Gore do an Inconvenient Truth before it was ever a, a film. And ah. Gusto on the um, condition of the ocean. And uh, so, I mean, there's there some wonderful... But those opportunities only come because you're willing to pitch in. You're willing to use your your bully pulpit, and right. you won't, yes. And so it gets it gets noticed. And um, right. yeah. Well, um, I know that there's somebody who you uh, met at the airport in May 2008, who oh. was Senator Barack Obama. Uh, yes. And I uh, got to meet him too. I always brag about it. But it was really uh, just because he had this overflow crowd. I'll, I'll tell this, the story real quick because I love this experience, right? I'm a little eighth grader and I've gone through eight years of having a president in uh, the White House who I think I'm smarter than and I probably am correct about that. And so then you've got this really sharp, you know, bright, handsome yeah. guy come through. Articulate. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he has this overflow crowd at the soccer practice field because it's Eugene, Oregon, and people want to see this guy. And so mm -hmm. in Mac court. So he comes out and he gives us, he gives actually a pretty extensive speech. He starts off, you know, doing the typical pandering, talking about the ducks, talking about, oh, how, how are they doing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then I later come to realize he's actually a pretty uh, big sports fan. So he was probably being a little more legitimate than, than some other folks might have been in that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I just kind of stuck my way up through and he was he was going down the line and shaking people's hands and um, he thanked me, you know? So uh, yeah, all, I mean, all he said to me was, thank you, and I said, thank you. Um, and I just remember the feeling that, you know, his hand to me, and I, and I swear to God, it felt like the, the skin on his hand was coarse, um, like he had been through some stuff, you know, it was weathered but that the flesh kind of gave a little bit like, mm. like underneath there was a real soul to this person and a warmth. It's interesting for you to notice that. Absolutely. That's what I felt at the time. Um, and I think that that characterized a lot of how he governed, although of course I don't think he did a perfect job. Um, but what was it like? Well, I saw him because, you know, when I saw him because, you know, when he comes to town, the mayor goes, is supposed to go and do the handshake. So I have, yeah curious of me with doing the handshake stuff. But the yeah. most the most important time was uh, I got a call and it was after what the uh, shootings at, uh, in Roseburg. And he was going to he was going to go to Roseburg. And they were not, a lot of people there were not going to be friends. No, they protested him, I think. And so and it, it was a very tough time. 
And uh, so they called me and they said, he's coming in to the airport. We want you to be the only one to meet him, greet him, because he's just going to change from his plane to a helicopter and then go on down to um, to Roseburg. So there won't be any speechifying. There won't be any of that kind of stuff. And I, of course, I said, of course, I'd be very honored to do that. And then I, I thought I probably have about two minutes to say something. So yeah. I should try to do something meaningful and supportive of him because I, he was going to be heading into the uh, lion's den, so to speak. So I, I, so when he came, I did, I was, I was so bold, you know, I put my hand on his arm. <laughs> like, Patty. oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just as natural. Sure. And, uh, um, and told him, um, I hope things would go well and he could take the support of all the people of Eugene with him um, to Roseburg. So he had this very serious moment. And then he said to me, and what's wrong with those ducks? They're <laughs> in a very bad season. <laughs> right, right. Well, especially if it was football, that was a, maybe yep. a couple of years. And I, and I said, uh, they'll get better, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> That's my right. rock. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was great. And then I, and then I went to, Michelle invited me to come to um, Washington because I did all that work on uh, housing homeless vets. So, you know, wow. I, I um, my, my feeling was, as it always is, take advantage of what's sitting in front of you. So when she put out that call across the nation that they were going to work on uh, housing all the homeless vets, I th said to myself, that's where the money's going to be. That's where the attention is going to be. We certainly got a lot of them. So I, we should, I should make that our, our deal. At mm -hmm. that time, the county was kind of like not engaged and, um, and I was trying to get them engaged. So I thought to myself, uh, that Pat Farr, had been in the military and it was very much something that he cared about. So yeah. I could go after him on that from that side. And, sure. and he likes being in front of people. So I thought I can go after him on that side. He's and the Lane County so, Commissioner for North Eugene for people who yeah, don't. Yeah. And so um, I asked him if he would uh, co-chair an effort to house homeless vets in our area and he and I went to a whole lot of meetings he was in uh, very gracious and um, wanted to do it and wanted to to have that as a as a means of leadership for the county and um, so then we had a we made a promise that we would try to house I think 375 vets that year oh. and, and we um, we ended up housing 475 vets that year wow. so, yeah so I, I just want to say when people say the mayoral position is what you make it. Mm -hmm. You have tools. You don't have a gavel. You do have sure. tools. And there's a lot of city staff. I think there's at least there's 75. People. Yeah, but they don't work for me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they work for all of us, if you know what I mean. Right, if, right. if we had a strong mayor form of government, everybody that was in that office would have been somebody that I hired, but I, I don't. Um, right. In our case, the council uh, hires a, the manager, and the manager hires all the um, people who work 
for us. So my, again, my relationship with staff uh, is one that has to be worked on all the time too, because I have to have that functioning. Don't ask for too much. Don't be too pushy. Don't be, but be pushy enough. I mean, it's all, it's, it's all that um, trying to keep a good balance with everything. And you feel a lot of the time kind of alone because you're not really like a counselor. You're yeah. in a very different position. Yeah. You're not part of the staff, so you're in a different position. You're, you're in a very unique and singular, and um, you're by yourself quite, quite a lot. So I had a kitchen cabinet. I think you probably know that. Right, right. I had this, uh, um, these six friends. Two of them were um, people who have been in public relations and, and um, uh, graphics. And one of them was a sociology professor at the University of Oregon. And one of them was a, a leader in the, um, uh, gay rights. And those folks... Um, Supported me when I first ran, but and and but then I don't know how I was so amazingly lucky. I mean, they met with me probably every other week for thirteen years. Wow! Yeah. And and uh, they were my kitchen cabinet, and they they were smart people, and they lived in different parts of the community, so they could give me a a sense of what was going on where they lived, and they never tried to. Um, tell me what to do. I would just listen to their perspectives and, and they were very supportive and they liked, it was fun to kind of be in the know. And um, I'm, I'm just so grateful to them because as I said, I, I was very alone. And when I first came in as mayor, uh, it was like uh, from the um, one part of the community thought it was the end of the earth and that I would yeah. Let, look, it was a big change. Me. Eight years of, of Jim Torrey's leadership. And then to, to you, I think it was um, maybe it was even more of a, I don't want to say superficial, but people, people will often sort of get that exaggerated feeling of like, oh, this lefty's coming in and everything. That's right. That's what they did. Gonna and go to heck. I'd go to, I'd go to a um, chamber of commerce meeting mm-hmm. and everybody go to the other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> It was that kind of atmosphere. I mean, it was it was it was pretty hostile because they made they made assumptions that because I'm liberal and I'm very liberal, um, that I was going to be a certain way and treat people that I didn't agree with in a certain way, and they were wrong about that. But that's that's what they were. Um, concerned about and so I had to the first four years were really tough because I just had to you know act like everything was fine all the time when it was just one insult after another that you just had to ride your way um through and you had to show your confidence and show people that you could do this job and not get run over so it was and and even my one of my um Kitchen cabinet. I mean, he was threatened. His business was threatened. Wow. So, um, it was. It was. It was. It was rough. It was very, sure. very rough. Does the mayor of Eugene, um, like, okay, when I think of an executive leader, like a governor, 
leading a legislature or you know being the being the executive of the legislature or the president and having the congress like i think a lot of their responsibility is to call people up and get the votes that are needed to get something to pass um, with an eight-person city council um does that characterize some of your role as well if there's something you really wanted for an ordinance? You know, learn to do in the legislature count to five mm -hmm. <laughs> you count to the majority i you know you don't have to get everybody you just have to get yeah. So I usually, um, I never twisted a wrist, a, an arm ever. It was mm. just, um, I would ask them and talk to them individually. And sure. then I'd count. And if I knew what, we were ready to go, then I knew we were ready, um, ready to go. And, I, and that worked, for the most part, that worked pretty well. I will say there were some issues, um, like uh, the Willamette Street stuff that got that were, where the council switched direction three or four times. It made it uh, for me very um, difficult to to deal with. But sure. I want to. I should say respectfully because uh, I've said I, I wanted them to do more to be bigger, bigger leaders and stuff. But I. Um, you gotta appreciate anybody who runs the office. Anybody that amount of yeah. time and interest on the part of their community, you have to give them at least so many chits for for that. And every one of them has strengths that are very um, helpful and useful. And some of them, you know, the strength is they just say it like it is. I mean, that's a strength too, right? So um, everybody brings something to the occasion and as you look out there you see that many of them actually do rep you might not agree with them but they represent where they live or at least a good portion of where where they live so i i always felt that i had to respect them because i was respecting the people of of our community so um yeah. anyway i i want to be gracious about this because i just want to say i was frustrated sometimes but i i i'm not I don't think badly of anybody. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's good that you have that. I think it's sincere when you say it too. Some people, some people aren't as sincere when they uh, say those niceties. But um, well, I even, you know, Mike, Mike Clark and I don't agree on two things, but uh, <laughs> but we do agree on having a sense of humor. So we, yep. so we just kind of, um, you know, jabbed each other a little bit all the time, but in a very friendly friendly way and um yeah and he sure gets a lot of hate um mike mike uh, has been very kind to me uh you know i've, I've developed a bit of a relationship with <laughs> councillor Semple. with uh councillor taylor's been really kind to me and clark has also been really kind to me um and that's I, it's very appreciated because i'm a harsh critic sometimes right uh, can i ask you two more questions even though we went a, we're a little over an hour sure, sure. Gracious. okay um well on the topic of i guess um criticism and vitriol um you know you're very active um on facebook with your your facebook yep. profile your personal account um you don't run a page do you like a i don't think you run like a public figure page i think you just run a i did when i was mayor oh you did okay okay well i did um, i did, I, did seen... when I was mayor but it's very different now um when i um was well what i was going to ask you is do you think people are in general better engaged with the issues now because of the social media accessibility, or do you think it can distort issues, oversimplify things a little too much? All of the above. 
Yeah, <laughs> I figured. So um, I, this is an interesting thing. I, I had a maximum number on my Facebook all the time I was mayor with right. a, big, a, a big waiting list. Um, but, uh, and I had a, I had to take an attitude that as mayor, if somebody disagreed with me, they could be there. It wasn't, I didn't ever knock any, the only time I got rid of anybody is when they just were um, obscenely nasty or something, you know, they just weren't sure. doing it. Um, but when I stopped being mayor, I sent something out to everybody and said, hey, uh, I'm not a mayor anymore, so if you don't like me, you can leave now. And, <laughs> and <laughs> that, you, you all might want to get off now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and nobody left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so we keep having these conversations about what's going on in the city on a, on a regular um Basis, I think that uh, we all know we're being messed with a little bit by um, Facebook itself in terms of who we who we connect with and who we don't connect with. But sure. uh, I, it's hard for me to keep up with that stuff. But I think they, right. the the limitations they themselves put on your accounts are uh, something to be thought about i i thought yeah. uh, marilyn my, my, one of my kitchen captains one who taught me into doing facebook i probably would not have done it otherwise mm -hmm. and um and i'm so glad i did because just you've got you you touch so many people you would never touch yep. uh, otherwise and you have conversations you would never have otherwise and for me uh, I kind of learned how to put issues out there and just let people talk so that I didn't say I know the answer and I want you to agree with me I just said here's here's the issue here's what one side says here's what another side says and just just let them um, have at it and they really seem to to like that yeah I think that's a great great role to take on all right, I'll ask you the last question, which is the question I ask everybody on this podcast. Um, it's an aggressive question, but you know, you don't even have to answer it, you know, in exactly the way that I might want or my listeners might want. But um, gosh, okay, let me, I feel like because you're, you're Kitty Pierce, you have to preface this a little bit more um, than I typically would. Um, I, I think of myself as a fairly intelligent person and a well-educated person, but I also think that I'm as susceptible to just about anybody to the stupidity that's out there. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, and we talked about social media can be a way that that um, amplifies things that are not credible or um, that can pull on our negative instincts, right? right. Uh, so I don't think it's enough. Um, this show is called Less Stupid because I don't think it's enough to just be smart. Um, and I think that's kind of boring and uninspiring. I think we have to actively reject stupidity as much as possible. Um, what is one way that you think we could all be a little less stupid? Um, I don't even like the word stupid, but okay. Um, that's, I figured you would say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we underestimate ourselves and what we can bring to conversation and each other when we are not open to each other. I think being open to each other and listening hard to everybody can't help but make you grow 
and improve who you are and improve how you interact with the world around you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I always try to frame it because it is a provocative title, but I try to frame it as like, this is my own journey towards becoming a, a, a less stupid version of my past self because I know how silly I've been in the past. Um, so it's not, it's not as though, uh, you know, here I am on a high horse saying that I'm, I'm smart. Well, I think we're, uh, I do, but there's several things that I carried with me that might be interesting that before you leave. One <laughs> is uh, when I was mayor, I said to myself, don't, I have to have, have something that helps me when things are hard. So one of the things I had was uh, I said to myself, don't let them make you mad because they're getting a piece of you they didn't deserve to have. Yeah. So, and that really helped me because uh, you could feel your, you know, somebody pulling on you and want, and you want to snap back. And, and then I, I learned to think on a regular basis that uh, if I snap back, who's going to get hurt? Me, not, not that person. They're, 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 get, they're getting what they want. They just want you to um, respond. respond and but, kind of validate that, that, that they had that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I just think that being open and not letting things um, pull you to your lesser self mm -hmm. is really uh, hard but important work sure. in this in this world, and I think human beings are just works in progress. We're mammals. Yeah, I think I think I think. Look at the chimps. I think we we have a lot in common with them. I think we'll always be working on things. So anyway, thanks for the yes. um, thanks for the conversation. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure and an honor. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Kitty Piercy. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.